0: Welcome to the State of the Lakers Post Show on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out with us on a Sunday. We're not going to go too long today. Um, I actually have a dinner i got to get to, and you guys have some football to watch, and God knows what else you guys are up to on a Sunday, but we're only going to go for about 30, 30 minutes tonight. Uh, but uh, an interesting game, to say the least, but taking care of business, beating a team they were supposed to beat. Um, you know, I thought this was one of those games, too, where if you really kind of bottled up the moments in the game where they were, you know, focused and not, um, you know, screwing off. They played well enough to beat the team by 30. Um, but, you know, this team has a tendency to let their foot off the gas every time they get a 15 point lead. Um, they've done this all year long with every bad team they've played. So it wasn't entirely unpredictable that San Antonio would make a run and they did. Um, but after the timeout, they came out and closed the deal and actually ran some good offense, um, you know, uh, I was really hard on AD on Twitter for not handling double teams well, but then he did a really good job of handling a double team in that sequence to kick out to Melo for a three on the wing that was wide open. And, you know, it's easy. It's really that easy uh, when you have players as good as AD and Russ. It's just about collapsing the defense and not turning the ball over. Just get get the ball to somebody. You've got all these people on the floor that can shoot, all these people on the floor that can make plays off of your attention you just have to value the possession of the ball and not panic when the double team comes, just handle it. You know what I mean? And uh, so it was good to see that kind of come together and that last little string of possessions as they put San Antonio away. What was your uh, initial takeaway, Raj?
1: Well, I think this is the THT game, right? Like that has to be where we start with it. that's yeah, <laughs> definitely where we should start with this. I kept saying like putting all your prayers into a 20 year old, Uh, Is probably misplaced, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe THC is just this good. His three wasn't even going tonight. I think he was like one for five from three. But just having another shot creator next to Russ, next to AD, a guy when the ball swings, knows exactly what he wants to do with it, and is another guy that really seeks the rim. I thought he was just fantastic. His game looks like it's matured, and it's kind of crazy because he's in year three at 20, which doesn't really happen, but just because of the COVID seasons. But his game definitely looks more mature. He looks like he's manipulating defenses more than just reading them. Uh, and his drives to kick out passes, his uh, skip passes were, were great, pocket passes, finding AD on lobs. Late in the game there, they gave the ball to him. They were like, here, you run our late-game offense. And he did a pretty nice job, found AD on a lob. Like, that's, I guess, where I want to start with this. We'll go to his defense later, but what did you see from him? Because I thought his offense was just something they desperately needed and we knew that it was missed it's just when you see it on the floor like like comparing him like Malik Monk is a score like a pure scorer, but he's not the level I guess like shot creator type that THT is like THC just looks way more comfortable with the basketball in his hands and that was just really awesome to see him not even look like he missed a beat first game of the season I believe but first regular season game they start him right away he looks comfortable what'd you see from him tonight?
0: He looked super comfortable. That was actually the first thing that stood out to me, which is interesting because if you really think about it, he basically hasn't played NBA basketball, real, real NBA basketball since the Phoenix series, which was what, way back in early June. So it's been a very long time since THT has played this level of NBA basketball. So you almost expect jitters. You almost expect him to kind of, especially at his age, to run around like a chicken with his head cut off. But he looked very calm and kind of was taking the game in stride at his speed instead of getting rushed and getting out of control. He looked really good in that regard. You're right. They went to him down the stretch. He was the one who scored out of the timeout, found AD. Mm-hmm. He um, kind of turned into a better option there. Um, you know, just because Russ... Again, Russ's decision-making, which is a separate thing we're going to get to, it's just... It's, it's a little bit, uh, you know, feast or famine. And at least with THT, they were getting something a little bit... Um, you know, a little bit more under control. Um, you know, he... I, I'm really curious to see how he shoots in spot-up situations. He didn't get a ton of spot-up situations today. He had a few, um, I think, a couple of the threes that he made. Um, I think he actually only made one three. But he, the, the, the three that he made early in the game was off the dribble, and that's cool, and you like to see that. But I'm interested to see, especially when LeBron comes back, which you and I both suspect he'll come back tomorrow, which remains to be seen. Um, but Raj and I have a theory that LeBron's coming back tomorrow. We're going to see him more in a situation where he's – attacking an already compromised defense which is something that i'm excited to see but you're right i mean a lot of people pointed this out on twitter and it was smart this idea that having a second dribble drive creator next to russ is so important because it allows russ to not feel the burden of having to create everything from the perimeter now Mm -hmm. today it it happened to not help russ take care of the ball which we're going to talk about but the idea is Put Russ in a position where he knows if he doesn't have a matchup or if he doesn't have, you know, the rhythm that he needs to do whatever he's doing, he can swing the ball around and it'll find its way to LeBron and he'll do it. You know, or in this case, in this case today, it was THT having that second option, that second, excuse me, that second dribble drive creator next to Russ is so important for that. Just making it so that that burden doesn't solely fall on Russ. I think that's so important, but again, it's more of what we've always uh, seen with THC. That's so impressive. It's like when he scores, it's almost in like the, the, in terms of the eye test, in terms of what you're visually seeing, it looks like an all-star it's one leg fadeaways. It's Mm -hmm. super dynamic finishing around the rim. It's that, that one that led to the timeout where he comes along the right side in the second half and goes into two bodies and just elevates over the top and shoots a floater high off the glass and puts it in. Like you see that, high-end scoring potential that is exactly what has Laker fans so excited about him. You know, because if he can find a way to manufacture easy stuff as well, which he will as he gets smarter, there's going to be this whole other phase of THT's career where he can be a high-usage, 20-plus point-per-game type of scorer to play alongside AD when AD's in his early 30s. That what, What we were always looking for in that regard is that high end potential. And he continues to flash that every single game he plays. Um, We talked about that a lot last year. It's like every game with THT, there's one or two moments where there's this standout play that was, that just has you sit back and think about what he could be. And again, it's just one game. And uh, I, we're going to talk about his defense in a minute here too, but like, if he keeps incrementally improving at this rate, there's a lot to be excited about.
1: Yeah, so like I think in the second quarter or something, I wrote down the game. It's it's a cliche, but you see it with a lot of young players that start to take somewhat of a leap. Uh, and I think you know him taking a leap changes a lot of things for the season, including the players we lost. Like I think THC making that jump is huge. But I said the game has really slowed down for him. Like even last year, even at his high points, there was a lot of reckless drives. There's a lot of like driving into three people and then trying to decide where to go. Like I said before, it seems like more of a, like him manipulating the defense, knowing exactly what's going on. I thought he was probably our best like drive and kick guy today just in terms of finding shooters. He only had one assist tonight, but I thought you know players missed a lot of shots that, that he passed to. But, but you're right, man. He just looks comfortable. And his jumper, he's definitely more comfortable shooting off the dribble, which makes sense for a guy that's had the ball, I feel like, all his life. Um, he's still trying to get used to being a spot-up guy. Hopefully that comes when, you know, he plays more next to Russ and more next to LeBron. But you talk about him co- attacking a compromised defense. Like, I'm really excited to see him play next to Bron and Russ. Just, you know, him being the third guy that tries to break down your defense after the rotations already hit. But we can kind of move on to his defense. Man, that, that length is definitely a factor. His on-ball defense, I thought, on Deontay Murray was huge. Like, especially down the stretch, he shut him down a few times players think they can get shots over him and he's able to just contest it and his team defense as well was a lot better he fit like the Vogel scheme we always said that you know when when guards try to have to fight over those ball screens and he did a really nice job of that giving back pressure giving 80 enough time to play both what do you see kind of from his defense I thought he was he was huge he actually led the team tonight he was a plus 14 Uh, that was the best on the night to go with his 17 points but defensively we talked about how much of an impact that would have just not playing negative defenders. And I'm really interested in this, like, THT and Monk combo because I think THT gives enough defense as a wing to let Monk play that one or two guard. Uh,
0: what do you see from him defensively? He looks great. I mean, you know, he, there, there's different archetypes of defenders, mm-hmm. right? Like there's position positional defenders, guys that do a really good job of moving their feet, making up for their... Um, you know, physical disadvantages by just anticipating moves well and just trying to position their body in the way so the guys have to shoot over the top. Well, THT is more of like a disruptive defender. Sure. He's all about, he's all about like kind of sacrificing a little bit of position for the sake of making the ball handler feel discomfort. That's naturally, naturally going to lead to him giving up some dribble drives. And he did tonight, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. There were a handful of plays where he gave up straight line drives. And you you live with that because that's kind of like you said, part of the scheme with Frank. You're, you know, you can you don't want to have too many positional defenders on the floor, guys that can't disrupt ball handlers because if everybody is just feeling super comfortable on the perimeter all game, they're just going to shoot your eyes out, especially in, in the modern NBA. You can only have so much of that. So having having that's what I like about the complementary type of pieces with Ellington out there alongside those guys. You know, like if you put Ellington out there with Avery Bradley and with THT, like they did with the starters, you can ask THT and Avery Bradley to guard the more, you know, dribble intensive guards. And then you can ask Wayne Ellington to chase guys off the screens, you know, and obviously that gets more complicated when teams end up having to switch because they get lost in transition or because a team's attacking somebody in particular. It can get more complicated. But this is just another guy to have in the rotation that fits that Avery Bradley type of archetype of defender, a disruptive defender that's going to give up some straight line drives, but in a way that kind of works with this defensive scheme because of Anthony Davis on the back end. Um, So yeah, he he looks great in that regard. He's going to look better. I think, I think here's the thing. The Spurs didn't have, they shot the ball well tonight, especially in the second half. But yeah, the truth of the matter is, is they're going to play. Pretty much starting tomorrow, um, you know, with Lonzo, who's been a really high, high-volume, high-efficiency three-point shooter. Zach Levine, really good three-point shooter. You're, they're they're heading into a situation tomorrow where, you know, he's going to be tested more off the ball. Sure, and that'll be the thing to watch with him. That was always his weakness. Like from pretty much from day one, THC was fantastic on the perimeter as a point of attack. Defenders relative to what you'd expect mm-hmm. uh, for for a, a player that young. But his weakness has always been, you know, struggling off the ball, paying attention to shooters. And so he's going to get tested a lot, in, uh, it's particularly on Monday. And then uh, I can't remember if it's the Wednesday or the Friday game, but the, Mel- the Milwaukee game is another one where a lot of eyes are going to be on Giannis. And it's going to be a lot of attention um, paid to one guy, which is going to test the focus of off-ball defenders. So we'll see. You know, obviously it's early. Um, it's too early to say. You know, whether or not this projects well to him being a guy who can be in the starting lineup in the playoffs, a guy who can play 20, 25 minutes a game in the playoffs, that remains to be seen. Um, But it was definitely a really good first step today.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like I thought just watching the game after we watch it, but he seemed like a lot more focused on the defensive end just as a team defender. And they're going to need him like like Malik Monk, all those dudes, like they can try their best, but they're just really small. They don't have the length, and THG with his seven one wingspan, like that just made a difference tonight. Um, him fighting inside, we do a lot of these four guard lineups uh, where he's kind of like the power forward sometimes, even next to AD, and they're gonna need him to be really active. And I thought he was tonight. And again, on Deontay Murray, I thought he was great. And just having a guy like Ellington that can chase off, like I, I like these bench units that we can kind of build off of. And like you said, where uh, LeBron is gonna be hopefully coming back tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, he'll come back hopefully this week. And just start to get the team healthy here. But yeah, THC, that was a huge boost. And if none can give them a boost like this as well, maybe not at this type of level. And again, THC doesn't have to score 17 points every single night. But like we said, just his shot creation kind of puts guys in the correct roles, right? Like Malik Monk didn't have to be the full-time secondary uh, or backup point guard. He could just be the scorer. And you saw him get be able to get in his bag um, in that way. I still think it's a lot of Rondo minutes that are unnecessary, but again, Rondo also allows other guys to kind of do what they do in a sense. But yeah, I thought I thought that this was a big boost to the team, and hopefully, we when we get healthy here uh, with LeBron back, we'll get to see more of these kind of different five man lineups, more of these just not as many below average defenders uh, on the floor here. Um, did you want to go into uh, AD
0: next uh, from Taylor? Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, just to kind of to put a bow on the THC thing, we're going to see a lot of him, Yeah. Um, I think, personally, in this next couple of weeks. Uh, just by virtue of the Ariza injury, uh, the Lakers just need to have another real physical presence on the floor, a guy who can guard up a position. Uh, there was a play today where he was defending, THC was defending um, Thaddeus Young on the low block and, and forced him into a missed jump hook. And that kind of thing that same type of matchup attacking against an Ellington or a monk or Rondo just is going to end in a basket every time. Um, So getting that level of, you know, defending up a position from THT is going to make him, you know, hugely valuable in the next couple of weeks. And so I expect to see a lot of him and we're going to, we're going to learn a lot about what THT can do with this team in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Moving on to AD. So I want this to be mostly good to be clear uh, because the, at the end of the day, you know, I think especially with the nature of of the injuries and this team struggles early on, we're almost a little too nitpicky with A.D. Uh, but the truth sure. of the matter is, like, he's, he still is the most ridiculous matchup advantage in all of basketball. Um, and early in that game, there was just nothing the Spurs could do with him. Uh, there was a there was a random game I watched ages ago. I can't remember who uh, this back when he was in New Orleans. I think they were playing Portland. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I was watching him and he ended up with like 40 something in the mid forties and uh, won an overtime game. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cheat code. It was like every time they threw to him, there was just, even, even in the in crunch time, even in the serious moments of the game, there was just nothing anybody could do with him unless you have a specific archetype of player. Like Thad Young did an okay job today in a post mismatch or in post post matchups and forcing him to be a jump shooter. But like, Anybody else on the roster, if he got it, it was a bucket or a foul every single time. And and that, that to me is something I think Laker fans take for granted from time to time, including myself. Um, but it's just such a huge, you know, advantage to have. Because the truth is, is with all the injuries and with Russ struggling so much taking care of the basketball, this team doesn't have a ton of talent right now, you know, relative to a lot of the teams they're playing. But AD just levels that playing field you can go into these games like a game against the Spurs today. And it's like, Hey, like we can just dump the ball into AD a lot and good stuff's going to happen and we're going to win, you know? And it, and it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of, like I said, a, a luxury that, uh, that, that doesn't need, that. We need to do a better job of acknowledging. And obviously there was a little stretch there in the third quarter where he struggled with double teams. And, you know, it's fascinating because he tends to, when he catches the ball on the block, and he turns and faces and the double team comes. He has a tendency to lean back yeah. away from the pressure. And when he leans back away from the pressure, he immediately looks behind him and tries to find somebody really close on the three point line to just get it out of his hands. Cause yeah, at that point he's just trying to not turn it over. This is something you and I've talked about forever. Yeah. But the play, the biggest play of the game in my opinion was I think there were up four in the fourth quarter and he was posting up on the left block and what they do, what they've been doing with AD is doing late doubles. Uh, they, that was the one thing they mixed up instead of just out, outright doubling him. As soon as he puts the ball on the floor, they would send the double and uh, kind of like testing his handle and testing his ability to make quick decisions. And they're on that pivotal play of the game. Instead of leaning backwards from the ball pressure and kind of fading from the ball pressure, he just continued to go into the lane and split the double, uh, or like, like just kind of stepped through the double and kicked to mellow for a wide open three. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's something I've been begging for him to do for years because doubling is a good thing. Like LeBron loves when you double team him. He knows that's you giving up an advantage and he knows that that's you somewhere on the floor. You have an opportunity to make the other team pay. You just have to execute and and not fear. And, and it's funny because it's something that people struggle with at all levels of basketball. It's amazing how much the high schoolers that I coach struggle with ball pressure. Like they have, everybody has a tendency with ball pressure to try to protect the ball. So they lean back, like I was saying, but the truth is, is if you're strong with the ball and you stay low and you actually advance position, step into the defender and clear out space, you have a much better chance of seeing the floor, finding where the opening is and making teams pay. And so obviously it remains to be seen over the course of his Lakers career. If he, ever develops into someone who can consistently do that Uh, but he won the game with it tonight with that big play to Mello, and I'd like to see more of that but just just another awesome game and and then lastly every time every time the team needs a big defensive play he just makes it happen
1: Mm -hmm. there
0: was uh, also right after THT's little layup out of the timeout he swallowed up I think it was Devin Vassell I can't remember who it was someone drove into the lane and he got switched on him and person tried to body him and take a little 10 foot fade away and AD blocked it and kept it short. It's like, man, like that's a huge defensive play. And so again, just luxuries that I think all of us have Laker fans as Laker fans have, you know, have gone to take for granted a lot of the times and something I would like to be better about.
1: Well, on that play that you were talking about, the one that won them the game, the reason I think that, that he was able to hit that is because we had Carmelo and Ellington out on the weak side. You know what I mean? Like that's a really yep. tough place to double off of and i'd like to see more of that and we'll see defensively if those lineups can kind of stick but that's a tough cover like that's not avery bradley or like cam basemore who actually didn't play tonight which is fascinating considering he was starting every game uh but yeah we had ellington and mellow on the, on the weak side and that's an easier read ad kind of got in the air and he just had to pick one whoever they helped off of they decided to uh, i believe leave mellow and he was able to drain the three um I, I don't think posting, like, I think AD got a lot of buckets tonight off of, like, pick and roll, off of, like, lob passes, dominating offensive rebounds. I just think posting him up with uh, with so much non-shooting around. Like, when Rondo is the post-entry passer, like, they're just, they're going to send help right away. And that's, like, a tough decision. That's, like, a lot of tough decision-making for AD. But you're right, in that first half, he dominated 27 points, I believe, in the first half. I think it was, like, 10 of 13 or some ridiculous number. Um, and in the second half, the Spurs just decided to take him out of the game. Uh, they said anyone else is going to beat us. Sent three people at him on the boards as well. We had a lot of small guards, and uh, they took they took his offensive rebounding away as well. Uh, but yeah, just another incredible game from him who's absolutely carrying the team. Uh, it, Russ, I thought, had an okay game tonight, minus the turnovers. he's off- right. Yeah, minus the turnovers, but... AD is basically carrying a lot of this, uh, and hopefully LeBron comes back to kind of shoulder the load. But defensively, man, I think he's been incredible Second, taking out that Timberwolves second half, that first half against them. I thought he was great tonight again, just blowing up every action. The Spurs don't have very much inside presence like Eubanks, and I think Pearl didn't even play tonight. Uh, but he, he blew up a lot of their action. Deontay Murray coming off mid-range screens. They switched a lot of stuff, and he, he was basically matched up with a lot of guards. Uh, which is why we gave up, I think, a shit ton of offensive rebounds. Couldn't get a rebound late. But he was he was able to stay on those guards, man, those those quick guards that the Spurs have. Vassal as well is a really nice jump shooting guard. He was able to defend them. He was huge tonight. I thought he looked fatigued in the last game, right? I thought tonight it was pretty much a full, full, full game from him. And this is the cleanest his jumper has looked in a long time. Taking out whether the shot went in or not, it just felt more on balance, like his threes looked more comfortable his off the dribble shooting as well and hopefully maybe this is just him progressing to the mean here this jumper's been absolutely off off the earth for a long time this is just a great building building block for him and i thought you said something interesting on twitter it's the first time he's played 14 games in a row or something uh since since the bubble um since the playoffs, yeah, yeah. Since, since the playoffs. so he looks like he's at least staying healthy and he talked about it last year playing his way into shape and i thought this year as well he wasn't in the greatest condition to start. Uh, but it looks like he's getting his legs under him. And this is the bounciest he's looked, the most comfortable his, on his jump shot he's looked, and they're going to need that. And hopefully LeBron, like I said, comes back to sh- shorten that load on him. But this was another dominant game from him. <clears throat> the second half scoring is what it is. People are going to focus on that. And I think that was more of a thing that the Spurs did to kind of dare our other shooters to, to get looks rather than an AD lack of aggression. Uh, but I, I thought he was just awesome tonight as well.
0: Yep. 100% agree. I thought you made a really good point about the Ellington mellow weak side uh, spacing. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, every possession. That's what they did uh, down the stretch that, you, that I noticed it again on the, on the possession where THT kind of lost his balance and turned it over there. What they would do in both cases. So mellow would be on the weak side wing and Ellington would be on the weak side corner and Ellington's man would basically sink to the block and then Mello's man would split the difference between Ellington and Mello and basically kind of play soccer goalie, right? Like is when the, when the pass would come, he'd just jump one of the guys and hope for the best is what it kind of seemed like. And on the pivotal play, the one we're talking about, the, the, the helper came over from Ellington and then Mello's man jumped to Ellington on the, on the, uh, on the step through from AD and AD just made an easy pass. Like you said, make the reads easy. Like he's, He's never going to be able to make the super advanced reads that LeBron can make out of, out of the post. Like LeBron can hit the dunker out of the post. LeBron can, you know, uh, hit these crazy, you know, kind of arm slingshot passes over the top to catch a shooter. That's open by an inch. You're never going to be able to get that from a D, but if you make it simple and easy, then, then he's going to be able, like any basketball player can, you know, step through and, and make a kick to a wide open shooter on the wing. So like you said, Maybe going more to AD post-ups when you have that kind of shooting on the floor uh will make a big difference. And you know, moving on to his slump for a second, you know, this is he did shoot the ball really well today. His form looked good, he looked comfortable. Yeah. He, you know, I tweeted out that he hasn't played 14 games in a row since the 2020 bubble. And and the reason why I point that out is I'm I'm such a huge believer in the way that rhythm um affects a basketball player. You know, uh, a story I would share is my second year playing in college, I was playing junior college up in Utah, and I broke my foot the summer before. And so when I showed up to campus, I had actually not touched the basketball in uh, several months. And I was so bad at the start of the season, not just in practice, but in the first few games of the season And I was one of, at this junior college I was at, I was one of only two guys that was on a full ride scholarship. So there was a lot of expectation on me to fulfill the amount of money that the program had invested in me. And so my coach pulled me into the office and he actually took me out of the starting lineup and benched me because I wasn't playing very well. And it had a lot to do with the fact that I was just, everything that I used to do well on a basketball court, I wasn't doing well because I was so out of rhythm because I hadn't Mm -hmm. played. And everyone else that I was going up against in practice and everyone else that was vying for my position was in great rhythm. That season, I was an all-conference player because the second half of the season, I finally regained my rhythm because I was able to stay committed to, you know, the work day in and day out and get consistent minutes that as the season progressed, especially when we got into conference play, I finally got it back. But the point is, is like, it's really, really hard to play basketball as a finesse player, meaning a guy who handles the ball a lot and a guy who shoots the ball a lot. If you don't, if you're constantly in and out of the lineup, if you're constantly going extended stretches without touching a ball, do you think Anthony Davis was touching a basketball a lot when he had Achilles tendinosis? Do you think Anthony Davis was touching the basketball a lot when his groin was pulled like that? Like, no, like Mm -hmm. best case scenario, you can do some standstill shooting, but what does standstill shooting do for your rhythm when in games you're going at a certain speed and you're elevating and, and you're dealing with contests and things like that. Like I, you know, there's the, the, the biggest debate we have is whether or not AD's bubble shooting was real. And, you know, is he ever going to be a, you know, 16 foot to the three point line, 60% guy again, or 56% or whatever it was that he was in the bubble. Maybe not. I'm not sure. It was a small sample size. So it's hard to say, Mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is, is, for about, uh, for about 19 games going into the bubble, so before in February and March before the shutdown, he was over 40% from three. I think it was 41% over those 19 games. And then in the bubble, he shot outstandingly well from long twos, and I think he was right around 38% on threes. And then the first 15 games of the following season, when he was healthy, he was 38% from three. And then his Achilles got messed up. And then it all fell apart because he was playing one or two games and then taking a day off. One or two games and taking a day off. Then all of a sudden it's so bad that we literally have to shut him down for all these months. And then he comes back and he gets back on the court and, and he starts playing and bam, he pulls his groin. The point is, is like the dude's just had a nightmare time trying to stay available. So is the truth probably somewhere in the middle? Yeah, he's probably somewhere between the jump shooter that he's been and the jump shooter that he was. But he certainly is, is a lot better than he's showing. And I'm really, really optimistic that if he continues to stay in the lineup and he continues to get his opportunity to play NBA basketball day in and day out for the for the majority of the season, I think he's going to recapture some of that shooting, which is why I think it's so important that he takes more threes, you know, uh, particularly in the flow of the offense, because especially when it comes to, you know, when it comes to those high leverage moments against the Utah with Rudy Gobert or against the Golden State with Draymond Green. Or against you know a Phoenix with DeAndre Ayton, we need driving lanes, especially with Russ on the floor. And so when team, especially when teams start switching and you can't run pick and roll anymore, they need to find, uh, uh they need to find a, a enough opportunity for Anthony Davis to shoot and to get comfortable shooting, so that their offense even functions in the highest leverage moment. So that that's why I've been harping on that so much. But I'm a believer that AD is at least an average three point shooter. So that needs to be leaned into a little bit more, uh, even though he hasn't shot nearly that well in the last year, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't need to become bubble AD, mid range Kevin Durant, King, Russell Westbrook, um, LeBron James as well, guys who want to get to the basket. Like you need AD to be somewhat of a threat out there. He can't shoot 14% from three. Like it has to be enough. Where the defense respects it that's the whole point right of having ad at the five spot is so that teams have to kind of respect him uh outside of the paint and i think he'll get to that like he's he's shown enough in his career he that like there's enough of a sample there again we go to the bubble but during that 2019-20 season he was starting to pick it up from the mid-range and then also last year as well he started the season red hot uh, from the mid-range and then he got injured uh so I don't think he needs to turn into that. He does enough defensively as well. That's my biggest thing, though. He's back turning into this super dominant defensive player. And we didn't get to see that a lot last year, whether you call it excuses or reasons. You can pick one. They're probably you know somewhere in the same line. Uh, but he just wasn't the defensive player last year, uh, from effort to his conditioning to whatever it is. And I think he's getting back there this year. We're surrounding him, man, with like four small guards. you know, And the guards are playing hard and they're doing their thing. But AD covering up for a lot. Um, and, again, like it, it's tough to throw a half out because that's not how basketball works. Um, the numbers are going to stay there. But if you just take out that second half from Minnesota, which I was sadly there to watch um, in the building for, <laughs> <laughs> if you take that out in the body language of the team from there, that Miami team, man, they played hard and they defended well. And tonight, again, I thought they defended pretty well. Kelvin Johnson hit a bunch of threes. I threw it tonight. He was 24% from three going into tonight. He had a bunch of contested ones. Like I thought their rotations are getting there. And AD is a big part of this. AD is we, we talked about it the whole time. AD is their defensive identity this year. They don't have all these defensive-minded players. Like It's AD's job to kind of lead that charge. And I thought you're starting to see it more and more. You see him getting more comfortable. Um, today's is, I think tonight's is his fifth 30-point game of the season already, which it just doesn't feel that way when you're watching him. Uh, but he puts up the numbers in such in these bursts, right? Like like tonight 27 in the first half type of stuff. He gets like 15 in the first quarter in a lot of games. Uh but again, 30 points in his fifth game tonight and I think those will those numbers should increase as LeBron gets back. But again, the huge another huge AD game been carrying the team uh for a lot of these stretches without LeBron and hopefully we get him back. I think THT's a big part of this as well, another guy that can just Give the ball to, it looks comfortable, shot trading where AD doesn't have to be in the post and get triple teamed. Uh, the spacing on some of these, Avery Bradley's a respectable shooter in some ways, but teams don't treat him that way. You know what I mean? Like even if Avery Bradley mm-hmm. shoots 40% from three, teams still dig in right away. Rondo, again, as the post-entry passer, we talked about that. Uh, but yeah, man, AD looks like he's, he's growing into form here, and that's, that's good to see.
0: So wild stat for you. Mm. the uh today was Anthony Davis's fifth 30-point game of the season. Right. He had six all year last year. Oh man. Six all year. So that's just that's just how much his rhythm was disrupted last season. That's mm-hmm. that's how that that's what he was dealing with. And so, you know, again I, to, to put a bow on the Anthony Davis thing just he I think we take him for granted a lot of the time and uh it's unfortunate for him because he came off of this title, you know, uh, title winning performance where he looked like a top tier superstar and his bounce back season. Yeah. Was he lazy to start the year? He was doing a lot of popping instead of rolling. And there were some issues mm. there to start the year, but the truth, the truth of the matter is, is this has mostly been associated with injuries. And I, I wanted to share that story just, you know, from my personal experience, just to kind of help people understand that it's never as simple as just stepping out on the floor. It's never that simple. Like, you know, even for even for THT, like, you know, he looks great tonight. I don't think people realize just how hard it is for for, for what THT did tonight to step foot on an NBA floor and play NBA basketball. I, I don't care that it's the Spurs. Like, that, that doing that after not playing at this level for as long as he hasn't played, it's complicated. And the same thing goes for LeBron. There's a difference between being available and being on the court and rounding into form and really, really having the rhythm and the, and that like uh, confidence that comes when you're really playing your best basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, like I, 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 I would encourage more patience with AD, especially uh, with this jump shot. Um, so before we get out of here today, let, let's talk a little bit about Russ. This will be our last topic and then we'll call it a day. So <laughs> you know russ i really paid attention today to the types of turnovers that he had yeah and you know there's there's kind of two there's two types of turnovers that russ has there's the i'm making a bad read of the floor and i'm just piling into bodies in the paint and i'm losing control of the basketball because it's impossible to control the basketball in that type of crowd and some of that is unavoidable and what you get with russ because Russ is very, you know, bull in a China shop. And some of that chaos is good because he'll, on the next possession, he'll drive into four bodies in the paint and just kind of throw the ball behind him and it'll end up in Carmelo Anthony's hands wide open. So there's a lot of good that comes from that, but a good, a good percentage of his turnovers today were like not doing basic fundamental stuff like pass faking before you make an entry pass or pass faking before you make a swing pass or not looking off a defender Before you kick out to a shooter on the wing, you know, when, when, when you're teaching defense, you know, with a live dribble, you're always arms length, but you're also mirroring the basketball with your hand. That's what, that's what ball pressure is at every level of the game. You're going to follow the ball around with your hand. So you have to make pass fakes. You have to look off defenders in order to open up passing lanes, especially at the NBA level. When you're talking about how long and athletic these defensive players are. And so some of this is just fundamental sloppiness from Russ you know, just just not not doing the basic things that you teach guards at the earliest age to deal with ball pressure and to deal with defensive pressure mm-hmm. to run to run an offense. This is stuff that he needs to cut out. And you know, what's really concerning to me is he had eight turnovers last game, and he had seven the game before, and he had six the game before that. I think he only's in the box score for six tonight, but there were several plays in the second half that were as good as turnovers. And there was one in particular that would have counted as a turnover. If, if I was running the box score, there's play where he thought he got fouled he was driving into the lane lost control, but they gave him a shot at him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that, that miss in transition, that's every bit bad, as bad as a turnover because like, it, it, like as he was going up to the rim, you knew he didn't have his steps, right? And you knew he didn't have enough lift to make that dunk. And you're just like, what are you, like, as it's happening, you're like, what are you doing? That's not you anymore, man. You know what I mean? And so I think my concern with it, you know, because again, like Russ does a lot to counteract his turnovers through activity, right? Like securing a defensive rebound that no other guard would be able to secure, you know, because he comes flying in and snatches the ball away or keeping a possession alive with an offensive rebound. He does a lot to add possessions too. But what's concerning me is like, We're not really seeing any attempt on his part to try to limit the turnovers. And that's concerning to me. Like, it's not like we're seeing him try to temper some of that back. It's kind of like he's just continuing to be himself and just hoping that it changes naturally, which is just not how it goes. Like you say all the time, the definition of insanity is seeing something that doesn't work and continuing to do it anyway. You know what I mean? So where are you at with Russ's decision making right now? So, like the turnovers
1: aren't going away. Like that's where I'm at with Russ. You know what I mean? Like, especially when LeBron's out, that's going to compound the issues. Taylen coming back, I think, really did help. But like I-, I said last game, when even when the Lakers were up five at halftime, like they need his counting stats. You know what I mean? Like just in terms of production, uh, even with Taylen out, with LeBron out, tonight again, 15 points. Um, 5 for 7 from 3, which... uh, No, sorry, that's Ellington. (laughs) 3 for 5 from 3 from Russ um, tonight. 10, 11 rebounds, uh, 7 assists. Like, the turnovers are just going to be there. Like, he has to be himself in order for this thing to work. And that's... The turnovers are part of it. Like, marginal changes I'm hoping for. And I think that's more... That's going to be more of a byproduct of getting more ball handlers that he has to give it to. You know what I mean? Like, that's where I think the turnovers will limit. But look, man, these aren't going to stay. Like he, It's just throughout a game, you're going to see a lot of these plays where you go like, man, what was that? And uh, I think the LFR pod did a really nice job of like comparing a little bit of that to Bazemore, who obviously doesn't have even close to the usage, but it has similar kind of like just these you know, forays to the rim where there's no real plan there. It's kind of just let me break down and then kick it out. A lot of turnovers like that. I can kind of live with like the aggression turnovers. It's the like lazy, you know, Kick ahead pass to Rondo um, that gets picked off. Like those are the ones that I think they really need to clean up. Um, but those turnovers aren't going away, man. Like that's that's kind of how I see it. Russ did enough tonight, I think, to to get the win. I think on defense he was a little bit more focused than than in other games. Um, he did a better job tonight of kind of cracking down on the boards, uh, coming to help out on the smaller guards, and and uh, getting boards there. But like the, the turnovers are what they are. I don't think those are going away. I need to rewatch the game to see all of them. Watching the game live, it didn't feel as they as though they were super damaging. Like it didn't feel like they were the like turnovers, and then the Spurs get out and run. Am I wrong in that? <laughs> uh, but like, like it, that's at least it didn't feel that way watching the game. And again, plus minus isn't a perfect stat. It was a plus eleven tonight. Uh, I think that's second. That was third to Wayne and, and THT. Um, but yeah, like overall, like that's I think this is the rush you're gonna get until LeBron gets back. And uh, you really feel the like rust decision making when it's like half court tight game right especially when the Spurs started oh, make, man. <laughs> like this when the Spurs started making the run in the fourth there I was just like man this is just a perfect time to just give Le, give LeBron the ball and just have everyone else kind of stand and that's what they kind of did with THT funny enough uh, late in the game there they just you know out of the timeout I think they just gave THT the ball and uh he kind of ran everything he ran the show he became LeBron in a which did which isn't the perfect way to say it, but like he kind of took LeBron's role there. Um, but yeah, like Russ is gonna have the turnovers, man. But I think they need his counting stats, and the seven assists is part of that. And you know he had to take seven turnovers to do it. But they need that production at least until LeBron gets back. That's where I'm at with Russ, man. I need to see it with LeBron back and the whole team together before I kind of judge it. But I feel like this is what he's gonna be, and he's trying to fit his game into the team, and that's that's kind of what they need to do, I guess to win this season but yeah he's not changing like who he is like the turnovers are part of the package thing.
0: yeah so this is the this is the last thing i'll say about it because you're right like he, he he has been trending in the right direction for what his final fit is with this team right um he he still takes a few too many defensive possessions off and i'd like to see that get better but he it, he has a half dozen reps per game now where he just does a fantastic job defending the screen and roll at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the way it was at the beginning of the season. He's had some, he's had twice in the past week where he's fought so hard over the top of the screen and applied so much back pressure that he was able to poke the ball free mm-hmm. and just start he- and just start heading the other way. That's, that's stuff we weren't seeing from Russ earlier in the season. So he's, he's trend trending in the right direction in that regard. You know, the reason why I've been harping on the turnovers is because you have to value the possession of the basketball. Like, The way I look at it, you know, if you look at the Laker offensive rating at the end of the season with LeBron and everything, it's probably going to hover right around somewhere between 115 and 120 with LeBron on the floor, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what that means is right right around, just call it, for the sake of making the math easier, call it like one point per possession. But that's with factoring in everything else. That's factoring in possessions where somebody else has the ball and does something stupid with it. That's factoring in (laughs) possessions where you turn the ball over. That's factoring all that. The truth is, is on a good possession – where LeBron has the ball and he makes a good decision or Russ has the ball and he makes a good decision, you're probably getting about one and a half points per possession, right? Sure. So that, so the way, the way I look at it is like Russ has 75 turnovers this year. Uh, The Lakers on the season have been outscored by 22 total in the entire season. Mm -hmm. So if you ask yourself, that means, you know, literally eight possessions, nine, 10 possessions here or there where, where he stops hemorrhaging an opportunity for the team to score could be the difference between them having their current eight and six record or being 10 and four, you know what I mean? And, and, and so that, that's kind of the way that I looked at it is like, it's these, these, these hemorrhage possessions are blown opportunities to run good offense and score. It's no different than on defense. If you give up offensive rebounds, like if you really sit down in the half court and uh, and you are dialed in on defense you might only give up if you're the lakers and you have anthony davis on the floor you might only give up 0.8 points per possession but every time you don't get back in transition and give up an easy layup in transition or an easy three in transition or you give up an offensive rebound you're distorting that math and you're giving the other team more opportunities to score does that make sense so like the the way i look at it is like over the course of the season it's not as big of a deal because there's some margin for error like you can still get the a top four seed and have home court advantage in the first round if if you lose 25 games you know what i mean but there's a fine line there's a fine line in the postseason at the highest leverage moments where you know five or six possessions here or there could swing the outcome of a series it's something i've said a half dozen times on this pod and and it's and i'm going to keep harping on it with russ's decision making because it, it could be a problem so The way I look at it, like you said, with LeBron coming back, it's just so important for Russ in his opportunities to be more conservative because they don't need him to create everything, especially with THT, you know what I mean, coming back. And and with Malik Monk kind of rounding into form as well. Like it's just Russ doesn't – Russ can afford – to take the extra time now to be more fundamentally sound is, is kind of the way I look at it. But anyway, that's, that's all I had for today. Is there anything else you want to get to before we call it a day?
1: Uh, yeah. there's just uh last two things I, with Russ. Like I've liked that they found actions that really kind of work for him. Like those little uh, double screens with AD and Mello. I think that's something that's comfortable for him. Like it makes it an easy decision. Uh, he's done a nice job. Like, reading if like the help comes on him he can find mellow spotting up or 80 AD diving 80's got a lot of buckets off that and then i wanted to kind of der- turn that into just wayne ellington man like just i praised oh, what i a good game from him. man. i praised him all summer and i was a little worried i said in the last few games about you know his shot not coming to form or if his defense can be enough they found a role for him defensively it was just which is a bonus right that's like a cherry on top to me like i i wasn't expecting him to be like have a defensive role i guess um, but like you talked about, you were higher on him defensively. He's good as a lock and trail defender on a shoot on a shooter's, which makes sense. He's a shooter himself, but that doesn't always, exactly. that, But that doesn't always work. You know what I mean? That's not always the. Case. <laughs> That's not always the case. You can't just throw a good shooter on another good shooter and be like, yeah, go lock him up. It's not always how it works. But Ellington's good at that. He has good foot speed. Like he's slow in like a like he's slow in like a lateral sense but like on defense he has good speed chasing around screens he doesn't get screened as easily as i think he would with his body with his body type um but just having a legit shooter man like the spurs went to zone a possession and it was just 80 got the ball inside give it out to Wayne Ellington he hit the 3 and that was the end of the zone like that that was it that, that ended uh the end of the spurs playing zone so uh, just having a legit shooter on the team He's not always going to go five for seven, and he doesn't need to. His gravity is real, though. Like, it, like teams don't leave him. Like I said at the end of the game there, uh, they rather, you know, leave him, try to close out to him rather than Melo, and Melo got the open three. Just cool to have a legit shooter on the team, a professional shooter, as some people say, a guy that the team is actually running actions for. Uh, it's, just, it's just cool to see him having some success. He played 30 minutes tonight, uh, which, you know, is probably a little high for him. Uh, but you know, it's just it's just nice to see him starting to have success. Uh, and you know, not going to shoot seventy one percent, like I said from three. But it looks like he's <laughs> it looks like he's going to have a role, man. And I like him. You need guys like that next to these, you know, rim seeking ball handlers. Uh, And his shot just looks really pretty. It looks repetitive, repetitive. Uh, Yeah. So he, he looked good. I just want to give him a shout out before we we sign off here.
0: Yeah, no, one hundred percent agree. I mean, dude, like it's so funny because I've been kind of I had very optimistic opinions about this team this year um, because I saw a specific vision with the way all these pieces would fit. And so many, so many of my takes have been completely derailed by injuries. (laughs) Like I was like, Oh, Deandre Jordan is going to be a fantastic like end of the bench center to like step in when Dwight needs a night off or AD needs a night off to just allow them to replicate their system and, and just do the best they can to kind of, cover for those random nights in the season when you lose somebody. It's like nope, tons of injuries. DeAndre Jordan's starting and every time he messes up it's a tweet at me about how much of an idiot I am <laughs> you know like it's that kind of thing And then it's like oh you you and I both were super high on Ellington and we thought he was gonna be a great fit and then it's like nope like he's getting preseason reps with bad lineups because everyone's hurt and the team isn't trying at all and so he looks bad and everyone says, Ellington you know can't play Ellington should be out of the rotation and, and then he got you know, hurt all, he got hurt and then he got hurt yeah and then he got hurt and it's like and so and, and then the same thing goes with like I, I I believed that this team would be a top five defense again and all their defensive players got hurt you know that 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 were supposed to slot in alongside AD at the five to make this all work so the point being is like I have been waiting for an opportunity to be like this is what I've been talking about like this is this is how this is supposed to work. And we're starting to see it a little bit with Ellington. I'm hopeful that DeAndre Jordan stays out of the lineup. So we'll get to see that too. And then I really think when LeBron comes back, uh, it's going to just get even better. And then Trevor Ariza should be that final piece that solidifies the way this defense looks with Anthony Davis at the five. So I'm, I'm really excited in the long run, just to see some of my predictions come to fruition Uh, in that regard. But anyway, thank you guys so much for coming to hang out today. This will air on Dash Radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It'll also be on our podcast feed here in about 20 minutes. We will be back tomorrow uh, for hopefully a Laker win against the Bulls. That one's going to be a super interesting game. I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. And uh, I promise, you have my word, we will take some callers tomorrow. Um, So all of you who have put in requests today, we appreciate it. Sorry we didn't have time for it today, but come back tomorrow get your requests in and we will take some callers. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you tomorrow night.
1: Thanks everyone.